Good evening. It's uh, Thursday. It's New York City. We're on Talk Radio New York. Uh, my name's Graham Dobbin. This is the Mind Behind Leadership. Uh, what we do here is we look weekly at real leadership. Uh, we gain insights and opinions, and hopefully we're going to provoke some thought. Um, leadership isn't just about, let's just get this clear, leadership isn't just about being the boss of a company or going away and getting an MBA. It's about everyday people and where we do in our lives. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be speaking to people in military, in sport, in business, in family. These are just the places that we show maybe influence in others. And we're going to look at it in a real practical sense. Um, last week, we spoke about something really topical about managing the crisis, what the kind of mindset and challenges were needed to be dealt with, everything that we know that changes. Um, natural disaster, terrorist um, incidents, failure in infrastructure, and yes, pandemics. If you didn't catch it, Please get it on catch up. You'll get it on the uh, uh, on on the, the podcast tonight. I am genuinely excited. We've got someone who is working very hard to consider at the moment where the puck's going. We all know that phrase. Um, where's the puck going? What's happening next? It's not about dealing with what's happening uh, in the environment around us at the moment. It's about where do we go? How do we predict the future? Um, and also, we've heard over the last couple of days that phase two is coming in much more quickly than we expected. So what's kind of the impact on that on businesses and the environment around us? So let me introduce a guest. We've got Patrick Sullivan. Uh, Patrick's a, a district manager for ADP. His focus is on helping middle market companies in Brooklyn, Manhattan and Queens, and the larger New York City metro region address the challenges around their most important assets. And we all know the most important assets in a business are the people. And Patrick helps the clients utilize all, you know, lots of different technology, HR solutions, just to streamline that operational process to make sure they hire and retain talent. What a well, what an intro, Patrick. That's a <laughs> big responsibility. <laughs> Good to see you. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for having me. So, Patrick, we know kind of what you're doing at the moment and where you're helping businesses. Just give us a little potty background to, of to how you got here. Sure, sure. Start um, currently where I'm at. I've been with ADP for four years now, again, in the middle market space, uh, covering the greater New York City area. Um, I also uh, specifically have a focus on our channel partners, uh, CPAs, uh, insurance brokers, and other advisors to those same companies that, that we help directly. Um, previous to that, I was a, a sales director for a startup in New York, uh, about uh, just under 50 employees. It was about 40 employees at the time. So the sales organization was uh, roughly half of that, where I was in charge of uh, hiring, training, and uh, leading those individuals. Um, additionally, uh, some of the experiences I may touch on today, I worked for a debt fund where we covered some uh, commercial real estate transactions for you know, small business clients primarily. And then uh, not starting my career, but uh, back in Chicago, I, I worked for Groupon um, as an account executive. Yeah. Probably touch on a few of those things here. We, we might just touch on that a little bit. <laughs> I, do you know what? I mean, I, I would guess that most people in business are know of ADP, kind of a big business, and you came from there from a startup with fifty people. What was the difference? Just what? What's the what's the first things that jump to mind? Sure. Um, so what about when the, when the previous opportunity uh, ended? That way, um, I was in a position where I had some runway to make a decision for what made the most sense, you know, in my my personal you know, situation, but also for the types of businesses that I wanted to um, not only work for but uh, sell to, you know, in my role and help out with the, the products that I was selling. Um, had some opportunities with other um, startups, you know, being a first sales hire, really identifying that uh, direction, but um, ultimately chose to go with ADP because they still, um, although a, a significantly large organization, uh, was really in the middle market selling into those you know companies that are taking that next step, that have just raised a Series B or transitioning from you know, generational leadership into the next generation, really interested in fully taking advantage of the um, large amount of you know, R&D and new product innovation that um, a company like ADP, but ADP specifically, is able to do to support that that growth in their mission. How, how did being at a smaller company with 50, my guess is a lot more hands-on, 
a lot more dealing with the day-to-day. How has that helped you interact with you know, clients and in, in, in businesses now understand what they need? A lot more hands-on, a lot more day-to-day, 100%. When you get involved in, when you think about you know, working with a team on something like that. Sure. Um, the entire team, the leadership team, was was myself, um, our head of HR at the time, uh, one head of customer success, and the two founders. So uh, getting getting the leadership team together involved, you know, walking down the hallway to uh, to the the repurposed bedroom we were working out of a you know, converted loft office space at the time, and kind of sitting around and having discussions, throw, throwing some ideas on the board. Um, that definitely looks a little different now when it comes to top line, you know, mission direction. Um, but it kind of speaks to the, the leadership team that I have now at ADP, and that's to a certain extent the the direction that we're going in is laid out. But as far as actually executing that, you know, and bringing products to the marketplace, they really are looking for you know the direct team and regional level feedback that we do have a hand in. You know, things like reaching out to our customers at a local level and working with those partners that I mentioned earlier. So do you see a lot of similarities with the people that you're dealing with? You mentioned you deal with CPAs who have obviously got lots of different clients who are in different, who will be in different um, phases at the moment. How does that help you with those people just having gone through that experience elsewhere? Sure. Um, so uh, a lot of the businesses, you know, whether that's the the sale, the consultants, the, the providers I mentioned, or the businesses themselves, you know, I, it was four years ago, effectively, it was in their shoes of trying to uh, ramp a, a small business. So having that, you know, real experience on the other side of the table, if you will, um, certainly helped my conversation, but also understanding the challenges that, that I faced, you know, recruiting new salespeople without the budget to do so. And it was things <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, for example, uh, we, as I mentioned, had about 20 or so sales folks, and most of whom I, you know, either directly or indirectly brought into the organization, definitely trained and led. Um, but we didn't necessarily have an established uh, A to B to C career path with, you know, six months here and your uh, senior level with certain identified attributes. So it was um, on the go a little bit, trying to figure out what made the most sense. But even in the interview process, we were very transparent with, you know, here's what we're looking to build in the organization. Here's how we're trying to build it. Things will change. Part of being in a startup environment is, you know, embracing the change and going with the flow. But that um, once we once we are kind of set on that direction, my goal, whether that's, you know, your professional development here or ultimately elsewhere, want to put you in a better spot in, in your next position, whether that's, you know, here or elsewhere. Um, so having that mindset with, with my clients, with my advisors now is really making sure that they have the best tools and the best advice and the best, you know, consultative approach, whether from a vendor or from their advisor to make the best decisions for their business moving forward, whether that's what they're currently doing just enhancing it, possibly pivoting to, you know, another uh, market segment, another product, um, shifting geographies, whatever that they may be. You know, I'm in the fortunate position where I have the, uh, the tools and the ability to to help them make those decisions. I'm, I'm really curious because I think this is probably my first step into leadership. You mentioned something, the consultative approach. Um, I, I, was in, I was in sales uh, in the background and always the sales was, I think when I when I first started, the sales was almost seen as a somebody won and, you know, there, there, was, a, there was a jousting going on. And it wasn't until my eyes were open when I saw a consultative approach, a genuine questioning um, process, which was really aimed at seeing if we could have an agreement rather than anything else. How do you get people to, to take a consultative approach and, and kind of think of doing something something a bit more um, or, or, or more obvious? <laughs> Uh, we forgot to say it at the top, but the, these opinions are my own. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I've got this written down. I'm going to just. I'm going to, I'm going to make this really clear. I'm going to probably ask Patrick some really interesting questions that he's going to give an opinion on, and it is genuine your opinion that I'm interested in. So this isn't a this isn't a company thing. This is about it's about so many different people and personalities, and leaders can work within the same company to go get to the same goal. 
So we're really looking for your opinion. <laughs> we know you're not a spokesman for the business. <laughs> so yes. Thanks uh, for <laughs> I wanted I'm, to make I'm, that I'm clear. Controversial was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not sure. Not sure who's listening here. But the answer to this question, um, it, it is a fortunate position. Partly why I joined ADP in the first place is um, that the mindset really leads itself to what we are about in the, the platform and products that we're able to sell. Um, I don't, when it comes to people, when it comes to HR and talent management, um, we have the engine and backbone to run just about every version of that that a particular company wants, whether it's you know simple technology support, just making sure employees are paid to more advanced you know technologies for learning and development and you know leadership management coaching training you know all sorts of uh, technology technological um, capabilities but also hr business partners as you know consultants that are brought into companies or even you know co-employment type of relationships to have a little bit more uh, hand holding and buying power expertise in house um, that's to say that i i'm never approaching a conversation with with a partner or with a client or with a prospect, knowing really what I'm looking to sell them. <laughs> I, I want to know more about the business. What are their goals? Are they looking to you know simplify things to, to be able to take on more projects? Are they looking to um, transition a workforce to a primarily a remote environment where you know some additional communications or technologies might be helpful um, and, and you know, so on. My guess is you're being um, you're being quite um, quite coy with this. <laughs> Think about some of the things you do, especially when we're when we're bringing external resources, when we're when we're trying to almost project manage something for for a client and pull pull different even different departments together. That's that's a real leadership skill. And just before we go to a break, just in the, just a couple of minutes of time. Um, Who's been a big influencer on you? Who's invited around and say, you know, this is who I would like to be like as a leader, as a boss, as an influencer, as somebody that people go to? Who would it be? Oh, it's, if I'm honest, it's, it's probably a, a mix of a few people, but, uh, you know, one that I'll speak to, um, I guess, right now is where I, I learned that initial mindset of the the best career path for for you in this case it was for me patrick the boss that i had that said you know i think you'd be really good in this role i'm going to help you you know kind of learn the skills that you need to get there but i need the effort and the grit to help help me help you and then the, the world's hero oyster right so it was a little bit of that uh guidance in my younger career but then always knowing that whether I was working for this person or, you know, even competing against them or, or in a separate career entirely, which is where I am now, um, that that would, it's always somebody I can still call and just kind of get uh, updates and, you know, life advice. It really is that, that sort of mentorship mindset of um, what, what's good for the, the team unit is ultimately good for all of us. It, it, it's interesting is that when you find that person, uh, I, I know it might not be obvious to everyone, but there is a slight age difference between Patrick and I, and even I've got some 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 people who I've worked with, some old bosses, some old leaders that I can still pick up the phone to and in contact years and years later. And you still just you just want that insight. It's great to have somebody there. Um, you're listening to the Mind Behind Leadership on Talk Radio New York um, on this Thursday evening live in New York. Um, when we come back after the break, Patrick, we're going to have a little look at just what's happening now. We've got a bit of background now, but what's happening in the business environment? What changes have businesses have to deal with over the last few months? And what might they need to change and deal with? In mind behind leadership, um, we'll come back straight after this break. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do 
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Listening to the Mind Mind Leadership with Graham Dobb, and I'm here with Patrick Sullivan, who is uh, telling us about who's been influencing him. And also, we're going to be looking at just what's happening in businesses around Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, where, where Patrick operates mainly um, over the last few weeks. Um, Patrick, just before we went to the break, we spoke about influencers. You said that there was maybe one or two influencers. You picked one out, but can you think of Maybe not necessarily people, but other things that traits of people that have influenced you. So you said there was maybe one or two others. Sure. Um, I think uh, traits is a good way to put it. And it, it really goes down to uh, even over the last you know, couple of months, it's been magnified. And I, I really do think it's, it's communication and uh, openness as much as possible when it comes to leading employees, but also your, your community. Right. Uh, there's um, a lot of aspects of, of leadership where I know when I've been most professionally frustrated, it's when I feel like I'm in the dark about uh, decisions that are right. being made or why they're being made or you know how we're planning to execute. Um, sure, they come from a good intention place, but uh, oh. <laughs> you know where where it, it's even more apparent is in times of crisis. And what does that do? What does that do to you then when when you feel you? It's strange because we can kind of sense when something's going on and we know that maybe something's on in the background, yet we don't know the full story. So if we, if we feel we're being kept in the dark, what does that do to us? Or what does that exactly. do to you? Exactly. Um, I, I think that uh, – I'll talk about it. It's fine. Um, I mentioned that I worked for Groupon. It was during their uh, IPO um, mm-hmm process for obvious reasons they couldn't tell us that they were planning on <laughs> on uh, going public would be for the uh, period that they're allowed to make that that known but it was in the air let's put it that way that uh, resources that were being pushed forward and uh, kind of pushing some sales forward that might not have uh, been natural just to kind of beef up some numbers uh, felt weird without knowing why because the, um, the messaging that we were given, giving the clients we were working with was for that, you know, sustained business, you know, marketing dollar um, boost. And when the, the rates started, you know, churning more than, than would be natural for the uh, metrics that we put together. Yeah. I understand there was something, something out there. So um, I don't know if that's a perfect example, but for, for the obvious reason, we didn't know at the time uh, why it was happening and it felt, uncomfortable for our clients so we're getting a lot of pushback and the answer that we had was uh, this is just how we're doing it now <laughs> um which, this is uh, the way we're doing it because it is <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. then the other one that i've heard so many times is we do it this way because we always have done it this way so at least there was change um it's it's always interesting i you know we've worked in similar sized companies with you know um in, in different areas it's always interesting when there's that slight bit of change, what it does 
to performance, to improving. I mean, it ripples right throughout a company, even a company the size of Groupon. When again, it's done with the, it's done with the best of intentions. The, you know, it's necessary that things need to be need to be kept quiet. So, if we're talking about uncertainty and uncertainty changes how workforces are, there may there may just have been one or two uncertain times over the last few months. Um, my guess is that you've seen changes in approaches to workforce and people and and how it's all done. You've seen the good and the bad. Just just talk us through you know, what kind of changes a business is needed to be dealing with just the last few months. I mean, yes, for the, the COVID health crisis, as well as you know, Black Lives Matter right on the um, heels uh, of raising the conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion to the, to the forefront, you know, being um, almost systemic issue or literally systemic issues, but uh, within companies, um, kind of going back to the, the uh, early March, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think uh, last uh, last business meeting I was a part of, we were together. It's funny to think about. That's me. right. But uh, I about that, that was, yeah. was the thirteenth of March. We had the we had probably the last face to face business network meeting yeah. in Manhattan. We were at. We had exactly. Yeah, it was. Lots <laughs> um, of avocado toast to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um. But as part of that, there, there was an immediate need to react quickly. And that meant making difficult decisions about uh, shutting businesses or uh, temporarily or, you know, for longer terms and making sure that employees were taken care of or at least understood what was happening. And I'm thinking about, you know, small restaurant chains, for example, one of the ones that we were at um, and basically making it known that due to safety concerns and unknowns at this time, we are ceasing service. But here's what we're going to do, and here's where to find updates, because we want to make sure that employees are taken care of, that our patrons are safe, that our customers and you know, vendors, suppliers are, are safe as well. So that was really putting the, putting the quick Band-Aid on, <laughs> on it, for a lack of a better term, as some of the um, CARES Act and payroll protection program loans and now the new amendment has come on. There were some technological challenges, but things that, that we addressed very, um, I think, crucially and timely within ADP to help our customers and help our clients and those advisors that I was talking about um, really solve the, you know, how much, how large of a loan can I qualify for? Does it make sense for me to furlough employees versus um, basically having to lay employees off so they're able to collect benefits? What does my recovery timeline look like based on my industry? And there were some companies that handled that, you know, very well. as far as kind of laying out what the options are, you know, making decisions about skeleton staff type of environments for essential businesses or for the kind of hybrid, as I like to say, the, the construction companies or even some of the healthcare providers that didn't necessarily have the elective side or the um, non-emergency side, you know, healthcare services, but were able to still stay open and, and do their part for lack of a better term. It was having those conversations around um, are my employees part of the at-risk groups? Do we need to have conversations about do they feel comfortable coming? Um, schools eventually you know, closed. So do we have backup childcare options available for those, those employees that uh, have, have little ones um, or elder care on the other end of the spectrum? Um, so it was that really resilience of this is going to be uncomfortable for a while, but again, goes back to communicating that um, with with employees and with the market, getting a handle on numbers of the business, making sure they're in a good spot to either um, stay business as usual, pivot, or some sort of you know hybrid. And now we're in the you know, latter stages, as you mentioned at the top uh, here in New York, you know, phase two is starting again next week. We'll have uh, more businesses open, you know, some greater distance precautions being laid out. But still, where is that communication coming from? What is our detailed plan for returning to work? Do we have the appropriate safety measures in place? Um, My particular situation, our office is in Midtown and uh, second office in in Dumbo. I work primarily from my house or or the road anyway, so there's no really real need for for me to go into the office, but we do have things like uh, IT staff and some other folks that that need to be on site. We need to make sure that they're safe as well. 
getting back to you know customers that have really handled it well is being some those customers that that are um, you know leaning on us on us so on their other advisors for the the best advice and what makes the most sense for their employees in their individual situations. I don't think there's a blanket statement that says, you know, business and this industry needs to do these two things and you're good. I think it's <laughs> a business with these employees, with this physical space, you know, needs to consider what options are available. So it's interesting because we've been forced and businesses have been forced and, and the leadership teams and businesses have been forced to make some really tough decisions. And I know that some some companies have, have probably thrived over the last few weeks, despite everything that's going on. But it's not just about how the decisions and what we've got to do, because let's make it that there's millions of people that are no longer working at, or, or are not working at the moment. Let's say because we know that will change. We we know that some of the figures and everything will change as the phases run through the different regions. But it's how we do it. You said that you've seen. Um, some companies do it really well. I think we've got um, one of the things, I know you know Jeff as well, one of, one of the companies that, that um, I've worked well with is, is Poppin. And one of the things that, that they happened, they, they, they had layoffs, as in most companies did. I remember reading some things on LinkedIn, some of the posts, and I was struggling. I had to read them two or three times. These were from people I'd worked with in the company. They'd been laid off, but were so complimentary about the company, um, about part of the, being part of the culture, still feeling part of the family, understanding completely what had happened. And it was no reflection on them or the business. And they wished everybody the best. That's just, I, I, it, it was incredible to see. And I saw a few companies doing that. Did you experience of that as well? Definitely. Um, there, there are companies that are in my network uh, that, you know, have had to, had to lay off significant numbers of people. And I, I think the f- phenomenon, I'll say, um, that you were experiencing with Open is, look, they've had to pivot as a, a business in the office furniture <laughs> business primarily to um, to adjust for, you know, what what is likely next. And you'll see it in, in hospitality and airlines and a bunch of these yeah. other industries where there's only so much they can do. <laughs> but um, because they were part of such a strong team, going through their their training in business as normal, you know, heading up until the crisis, those are employees that were fully engaged in work and, you know, basically had an extreme trust in their leadership in, in Jeff, he's great, um, to, to basically know that they'll be taken care of to a certain extent, you know, even post, post employment with, with their recent employer. You know, specific example, I'll leave the name of the company out, but a relatively small company that had to lay off um, basically three people, which, you know, ultimately isn't that that many, but small company was, a you know, half of the, this one team. And I know that their leader specifically um, reached out to their previous employers in one case uh, and to other colleagues in his network and basically touted them, touted their skills and says like, look, our company's in a spot where I can't, I can't keep these folks on, but they've learned these skills under, under my leadership. And here's where we've gone in the, you know, couple of years since they've been employed here. I think they'd be a great addition to your team because of the industry that you're in. And they were able to basically not only have um, a, a point where being let go from a company, but having another job lined up with the full endorsement of, you know, previous manager and previous leadership. Circumstances sometimes are what they are, but even mentioned in, in Poppin's case, I, I guarantee that uh, those individuals who were let go from the company are probably still in a pretty good position to land a comparable job in an industry that might make a little bit more sense, you know, coming out of coming out of recovery here. Well, we will. I mean, tune in next week if that's something you're interested in. We're speaking. We're going to be speaking to Jeff Kapat for Poppin. And we will we'll talk about that specifically because it was because I'd, I'd worked with so many of those people. It was just warming to see that, that people were responsible. Um, when we come back from the break, um, one of the things I'm gonna you know want to really touch on, Patrick, is how have you kept yourself relevant? What you know, how have you kept yourself 
out there and what have you been doing to make sure that, that your message is consistent with everything else that's around us. Um, we're just going to go to a break. You're listening to Graham Dobbin here on uh, Talk Radio New York with Patrick Sullivan from ADP. We're talking about how leaders manage through all of this change. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the mind behind leadership. What we've looked at already is just what's happening out there in in and around New York, Queens, in Brooklyn, in Manhattan primarily, to businesses, how they've adapted, how they've changed, and how they've taken the approach. We've looked at some some uh, some great approaches of how people have um, leaders have really looked out for their staff. One of the things I'm, I'm joined by Patrick Sullivan from ADP. Patrick, one of the things that I, I've noticed, you know, I do a lot of training with leadership teams. And one of the things that when we talk about traits, traits that come out all the time is empathetic, caring. You know, that's what people are looking for. That's what people recognize as great leaders. Um, rather than these um, intellectual skills or being, a, you know, being a great speaker is not one, but being a great communicator is. So just everything that you said just before the break about how, you, how you've got some of your clients who are looking after the staff, how they were just communicating it in the right way, really, really resonated. So when we've got a time that, that it's changing and it's, it's shifting, how do you keep you relevant? How do you keep you, not just so you're at front of mind, but you're actually looking after the people you need to look after? Sure. Um so I'm in a fortunate position, again, working for ADP in that we have a lot of resources available at our disposal and, and things like being able to um, help translate legislation for practical application when it comes to HR policy rollouts and best practices. Um, so with the community that I partner with and, and serve, what I've specifically been doing is tailoring the, the resources that we either produce or, or or know about ahead of time to my to my partners to be able to relate to their networks. Um, doing things, I like having conversations uh, like this, you know, one-off, uh, not a, not so many recorded, but uh, also um, helping <laughs> also helping to you know 
produce some webinars. You know, we've been doing those fairly regularly, you know, from a ADP standpoint, but also more directly for my, my smaller networking groups or for um, specialty panels for uh, trade organizations or community organizations that, that I'm personally a part of. Um, just did one last week for uh, members of the Brooklyn Navy Yard um, Association, as an example, um, heading home here. So it, it really is making sure at, at first it was that they're addressing those you know, tight pain points. How, what does the payroll protection act look like? How do I implement it? How do I apply for my loan? Um, what does social distancing mean when it comes to um, actually giving my employees wages? We've given them live checks every week. Well, here's, you know, some of the tools that we can use, whether it's direct deposit, pay cards, or other options to kind of address that, that point in time, you know, that specific need. Some just like really practical things that we need to yeah. be thinking of. How do you pay someone? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, you know, you still want to have that personal touch, though. Some some of the businesses uh, around here, it's a point of pride for the owner to be able to hand the paycheck over. So really, um, you know, pushing that forward. Um, but now it's more on the other end. We're starting to come back. How are we training our HR leaders, our executive leaders to be comfortable having conversations around employee health and wellness and that's your know, physical or even your know, mental health um, anxieties at work, you know, sick relatives at home may or may not have you know, lost somebody or the, the childcare or elder care concerns that might be um, impacting productivity. And is it a simple answer like, you know, shifting work schedules around so that you don't have to commute during, you know, what would amount to rush hour these days or, you know, working some odd hours if, if available versus um, blended, you know, work from home type of arrangements are, are options. Um, but, but really it's about, you know, me kind of highlighting those best practices across, you know, my entire network, across our client base, not only in New York, but in other markets as things that uh, you could be doing as, as a leader in your organization to make for a smooth transition. So people seeing you as a resource of the things that they might not think about. You know, being, being, being maybe the provocateur, the person who kind of pokes and prods and says, have you just double checking, have you thought of this? Because one, one of the things, I'm, I'm a great believer in where we are now, and I've actually been saying this for a few weeks, um, and this is showing up with the clients I'm working with. We've had, we've had this huge shift. Everybody's spoken about the shift, that, that we've gone remote. Um, you say you work from home. I know you, you travel a little bit as well. But we, were, we weren't in the office. So everybody had to move out. And that was forced upon us. We spoke about health and safety. We talked we talk about death. We talked about, you know, the ultimate, you've got to do this. It feels to me that leadership's going to really kick in now. A lot of these hard decisions have been, been pressed on us. Now, when we're coming back into phase two, three, and four, coming back to the office, we're going to be dealing with people who have not lost anyone, don't have any childcare issues, don't have any issues like that, other than I don't want to travel on the subway. Um, I don't feel safe. Um, I've, I've been working from home and been performing really well. Why do I need to come back into an office? You know, there's a whole host of reasons why people won't do it. And that's a lot of discussions I'm having. We've gone from having maybe some great team units to two people who have worked together. One wants to come in and can't wait to get in the office and the other one doesn't. Oh, I mean, are you having discussions around that? A hundred percent. It seems to be all anybody's uh, talking about when it comes to going back to the office these days, you know, um, but what, what's uh, unique is it's important to um, kind of bifurcate this discussion because there are certain industries, uh, manufacturing or logistics type of businesses, um, food processing, things like that, where the job gets done in the in the facility, in the company facility. So then it's about you know working out travel arrangements. I've seen things like um, offering uh, city bike memberships, for example, as an alternative means of transportation. Yes, I've noticed I've got a city bike membership, and more people are using it. So I can get good bikes. I'm not happy. <laughs> Seems to be a usage <laughs> has gone up. You can see exactly city bikes. There's a great company Revel here in in the boroughs that has the scooters. You know, similar sort of concept where a little bit 
uh, more open in the air. But we understand that there are um, there are uh, places and communities where taking the bus or riding the subway is a necessity. And um, doing things, some best practices that I've seen even from some of my clients before heading back into into those environments, into those shifts, they actually sent employees care packages, things, care packages, quite literally, with um, masks, gloves, hand sanitizer, things like that. And uh, some branded, in fact, some not, um, to, to put a little, you know, we're all in this together, be, be safe, you know, travel in you know, the times that, that make sense. So we're not um, going to see the branded umbrellas going about Manhattan. We're going to see branded masks. Is that going to be is that the next thing? Right? <laughs> okay, exactly. Um, it, it, it's out there, but it, it's nice because it goes back to that that teamwork mentality that we were talking about before. Um, from the other perspective, uh, you mentioned already that you know I've been doing fine at, at at work working from home, right? So there are plenty of employees where they've found, you know, working from home suits them and the work is getting done better, more efficiently, you know, however you quantify the, the level and quality of work, you may miss the personal interaction, but you have to really have a conversation around is the form of communication or method of interaction about us sitting next to each other in a, you know, open office workspace where we can, you know, tap each other on the shoulder. Or maybe we can have some other creative uh, ways to stay connected, things like um, Slack or WebEx Teams or, you know, these tools that are available for um, instant communications, regular check-in phone calls, you know, more casual check-ins on text message that, that I do with my you know, leadership team regularly. Um, then I even heard a, a creative example um, it, during a, a conversation I was having with, with a colleague about um, a company that has a, has a larger uh, population, but they have a, they leave a Zoom meeting room open all day um, as a place to kind of go drop in, hang out, you know, chat with whoever's around, you know, on break, but also have some, some, uh, you know, posted office hours, if you will, for, you know, various uh, leadership open forum discussion type of things. I thought that was a unique way to approach the, the disconnectedness without necessarily having to having to, uh, you know, have a town hall weekly, you know, standing around the yeah. conference room table, right? There, there are other ways to kind of accomplish these same goals ultimately. It, it, I mean, um, once we come back from, from, from the next break, we're definitely going to be wanting to talk about kind of good examples that we've seen the companies that maybe be thriving a little bit. There's one I'm working with in Australia, in Sydney, Australia, and they've got, their output has gone through the roof. This is a sales operation. So outbound calls are normally used to face-to-face meetings. But they've had uh, daily stand-ups that are standing up on Zoom. Um, at lunchtime, you can join in. You don't have to, but people are nominated or coming up with some kind of activity over lunch, some kind of theme, some kind of discussion. It's always fun. And then they have a virtual campfire every night at 5 o'clock. And here's the thing. They don't ask everybody to come. They say, well, this is available. And they get virtually 100% attendance every single day. It's just, it's, it's absolutely good. And they, uh, so are the results as good? Maybe not. But the output has been. So the, so the activity is really, really driving the business forward. And that's where it's giving everybody confidence that when they come out of this, they're going to come out of this really running. So we'll have a, a little chat about what, um, what we've maybe else we've seen that the, the companies are thriving. I want an inside tip in what's the best business to be in when we come back. And um, maybe just some of the good and bad things that, that, that could go wrong. We're, uh, we're, on the, we're going to be in the final stages after this, uh, after this next break. You're listening to Talk Radio in New York. This is the mind behind leadership. Um, with me tonight is Patrick Sullivan. My name's Graham Dobbin. And we're going to go to a break for the moment We'll be right back. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. 
If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Graham Dobbin with Patrick Sullivan. We are talking the mind behind leadership. Here's a quick question from from left field. What are you really excited about now we're heading into phase two next week? What's going to be your first protocol? What are you going to do first? For what I'm excited about uh, first, I, I guess, um, I I really am excited about just uh, being able to to have a meal outdoors, I think. Uh, not that I haven't in the, the park since we've been gone, but, you know, as part of uh, the, the phase reopening, I don't even believe it's it's part of phase two necessarily, but uh, taking advantage of the summertime in New York, you know, and, and continuing to support our small businesses here that make these, these neighborhoods unique. And, um, you know, it really... It's uh, Juneteenth tomorrow, so I'm uh, getting out to uh, celebrate with some uh, black-owned businesses as well. Nice. Um, I just think when you mentioned City Bikes, I think, you know, this is the ideal time to give people a, a, a membership for City Bikes. You know, we're, we're coming into the weather. This this may – I've got to – I mean, one of the first things I'm going to do, obviously, I'm going to get this, this trimmed. It's just – it's unruly and get the uh, beard done. But uh, a few weeks – <laughs> no, I, just, I can't do that any longer. Uh, um, I never thought I would be happy drinking beer from a plastic cup in the rain as it was <laughs> to go outside a bar. So it's amazing what we adjusted. Uh, but but the, the first thing I've done for next week is I've booked an appointment at Barber. It's going to be a hot shave. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, um, so when we think about what, what's, what's, what's going to happen... Um, going forward, you deal with lots of different trades. So let's just think about that. You, you, I know you, you've, you've worked with the restaurant trade as well. You've got some clients and uh, certainly. The, how, how do these guys keep agile? It's like we're pressing the button on Monday. You can maybe do something. That's, that, that takes, that's, wow. It, it's uh, it's phenomenal, actually, the way the way the city, the way a lot of business owners have responded um, to you know current environment, and also pivoting pivoting to uh, the next normal. It's a term I've, I've been using you know <laughs> quite regularly yeah. here, because um, the reality is phase two, phase three, whatever it is, um, you know, for for a long time, there's still going to be extra precaution, extra safety measures put in place, things like uh, capacity constraints or um, even just. The, the general closeness and packedness of the, the bars and restaurants that, that are here in the city. Um, but I've been really surprised and um, not surprised is the wrong word, but uh, encouraged by the business owner's response to do things like literally carve out half of a front door window to enable, you know, curbside pickup and stand out in the rain and have that beer, like you mentioned uh, <laughs> earlier. Um, but even uh, there's a restaurant here in Brooklyn that, um, Pivoted their entire business model. Really, uh, it was a restaurant that very seldomly did, you know, takeout delivery. They are doing some, you know, takeout delivery methods, but actually turned their entire dining room into a, a pantry for you know, some of the imported goods that they you would otherwise use in, in their in their day to day. 
So being able to, you know, pivot, keep the lights on, if you will, and, and also, you know, looking forward as a, um, as a restaurant that may not have uh, had the economics previously to sustain at a 25% capacity. I don't know too many that are, you know, rethinking what that model looks like is important as, as we continue on. It, it, it's interesting because again, we, we, we keep on coming back to mindset that four months ago to say that a restaurant needed to work on 50% would have been unthinkable in New York. Now it's, now it's how do we make it work at 50%? There's a different mindset. I, I think the week before everything closed, before we had the pause proper, restaurants were at 50%. And I remember going into one in Gramercy and going, oh, this, is, this isn't quite as good. It's not quite as atmospheric. Boy, what would I give to be in a restaurant now at 50%? So our attitude has changed, has changed as well. What do you see as, as good businesses going forward? What, what, what's, the, what's the inside view? Tell us the inside What business should we be in? Sure. Um, I have a really successful story about a facilities management company, a cleaning company. That uh, sounds like it could be a good business to be in right about now. And I know that they've exploded with contracts from, you know, facilities, uh, from office, you know, landlords and also individual businesses to, to go in, you know, after hours and deep clean, sanitize, um, and also make those uh, services and best practices known, you know, as far as uh, layout and, and design to minimize exposures that taking on a consultative approach in that respect. Um, They've been fortunate to explode and also, you know, firmly pivoted um, from, you know, more well-rounded facilities management practice to, you know, hyper-focus on, on the uh, cleaning aspects. So they, they've been a really successful you know, story that I've personally been you know, aware of here. I'm, I'm curious as well, just so we've got people coming back in, there's going to be people back in different phases. We're going to see a, a huge change. There's been a big change this week, but a huge change next week. In Manhattan, without a doubt, traffic, volume of people, and on. What do you do with staff? Is there anything particular that you think that when staff need to be there, like restaurant workers or manufacturing or something like that, is there anything that leaders are kind of taking in, into account to deal with that? People who have maybe not not worked, they have to bolster the team, not worked for a few weeks, and now they need them back. Sure. Um, First of all, there there are a lot of uh, workers that I know of that are excited to get back in and at it. You know, that's part of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the social interaction goes both ways. It can be you know, isolating, working from a you know, comfortable home office. Although in, in the city, I know, don't know it's too many people that really have a comfortable office. We'll leave that aside. But um, <laughs> it. It, it, it really goes back to that, you know, communication that we were talking about previously. The the roles that are not essential to be back in the office. Let's figure out, you know, what that means for communication with people that are. Um, but for those businesses, those restaurants where there will be more employees back, it's um, from a, a, a policy and from an implementation standpoint of the, those policies. And here are the safety measures that we have taken since since we left and how we've reconfigured the space and um, what our new uh, occupancy levels are in the case of that restaurant and how far apart the tables are really like basic stuff, but need to be laid out and communicated. Not only this is how it is, but this is why we're doing it um, to, to make sure that when you come back to, to work, that you are taken care of by the company here and that um, we wouldn't put you in a position to be at risk. You know, uh, the final part, the safety's been a really interesting. I've just watched the shift in safety where everybody was extremely conscious about safety for a number of weeks. And then it just seems that we're beginning to get a lax. We're beginning to kind of, people are getting tired of it. We're becoming lethargic as, as, as the city is a, is, is, is a nation, becoming lethargic to some of the restrictions that are put in place. How do we keep um, our workers safe to keep the public safe? Because the public aren't, and a lot of the time, keeping themselves safe um, when they're visiting bars and restaurants at the moment, even just on takeout. So what's the kind of, I mean, I know we're focusing that probably just because of phase two next week. Sure. But um, is there anything specific that should be getting done? 
you know, so I, I think we said at the top, I'm not an expert. I'm not a representative. No, no, I get no, I get that. It's kind of going because it's because it's relevant to us there. As far as the the kind of best practices standpoint, it's even a step back further from that, where you need to focus on as a as a business owner and you know as an employee coming into a business. What what does the nerve center look like? How are decisions made around here, and what intention are they made with? Right. And communicating how we are going to go about that decision-making process for whatever obstacle is put in our way next. So, when we have an example for somebody that you know it's still a regulation that you wear a mask inside of the restaurant, what do we do if, or inside of the store, what do we do if a patron comes in and doesn't have one? What are we going to do? And having those policies in place that you, you have the support of management, that you have the support of you know, leadership here, and here's how we're going to go about you know, enforcing you know, the, the safety precautions that we put in place. If you're across the street 20 feet, there, there's only so much I can do. But really, when you're on the premises of, of my business, I want to make sure that we're doing this for the safety of my employees, for the safety of you as a customer. Um, but also so that uh, you know we're not uh, dinged on the other side, and we can continue operating. It, it, you bring up a really important point. One of my previous businesses, I owned a construction company, and when we were on site, getting people to wear PPE was not always the easiest thing in the world to do, especially if you were inside. And there were some rules that were seemed a, a, a little bit strange, but the, the, the potential for not wearing it was huge, and we needed to be really, really careful with that. So that just that links back in. Patrick, um, thank you so much for your time. The notes that I've taken down this evening, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Um, and everything is telling me that it's about communication, about being empathetic, and about what the intention we've got when we're dealing with our staff, who will then carry that on to dealing with customers, the public, and, and move the business forward. Patrick, you've been an absolute star. Thank you for your time this evening. Thank you for your opinion and your, your personal opinion, nobody else's. I'm just going to say <laughs> that again. Um, you've been listening to Graham Dobbin on Talk Radio New York, the mind behind leadership. Tonight we've been speaking with Patrick Sullivan. And on next week's show, we have Jeff Kabat from uh, office furniture company Popin, uh, who will pop in and have a bit of a chat about just some of his experience in different places and um, how they have managed to deal with the current situation. So thank you for listening. Join in next week. Uh, Good night for now. Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 